Good evening. This is Radio Free Bichelle. I'm Alphonse. Tonight, justice. Ask philosophers about justice, and they will probably tell you about fairness. But ask most people about justice, or look what it is in everyday life, or go back in history, and it's mostly about punishment. That's what courts do, after all. They hand out sentences more than anything else. If you go back to the Code of Hammurabi 3,700 years ago, it says that if you build a house and it falls on a man's son and kills him, then that man has the right to kill your son. The Old Testament says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I remember hearing once that one of the reasons for the idea of crime, in other words, crime against the state, not against an individual, was to stop vendettas and vengeance. When I was eight or nine years old, though, and I learned about slavery from books in school, I was horrified. I thought, why don't the black people enslave the white people as retribution? When I learned about the Holocaust and how when they opened the gas chamber doors, there would be a pile of bodies that people had climbed on top of one another to try to get the last bit of air, I thought, why does the German language exist? You can't kill the German people, but you can extinguish the culture that did this thing. At least, that's what I thought at the time. But I was wrong. And I think one of the things that brought me to realize how wrong and why was a story about capital punishment. It was some man, a murderer, I presume, who was being executed on death row, I think in Texas, in the wee hours of the morning. And outside the prison where he was held, people had gathered. They were waiting for word that he was dead, because they wanted to celebrate. And I realized this is the worst thing of all, in a way. To let the criminal, who degrades his humanity, have us bring down our humanity, too. And I thought, that's terrible. Do I want to live in a society where people are bloodthirsty? Bloodthirstiness is what leads to murder. It's what leads to violence. We can have justice, but if we have too much justice, maybe we'll need more, because more bad things will happen. The conclusion I have come to is that the most important thing in justice, the most important matter, is to protect yourself, to protect your own humanity, to not allow the desire for revenge, as just and as fair as it may be, to get in the way of who we are. Because we are what we do. Not what we say, but what we do. And this affects other people too. This is why we are told not to spank our children, not because it's going to hurt them. I'll tell you, two-year-olds are tough. They're probably a lot tougher than I am, probably a lot tougher than you are. They can handle the physical pain. They may have trouble with the emotional pain. But the thing that we teach when we spank is not the thing we wish to teach. If a boy hits another boy and we spank him for it, the lesson we teach him is not don't hit, it's violence solves problems. And that's exactly the wrong thing to teach. So just as with justice, if we have justice in society that exacts vengeance through violence, then it teaches all of us the same lesson that we teach if we punish our children with violence. Which isn't to say there aren't times when violence is needed. But we must be very careful, because that violence corrupts us. Our culture and our traditions know this. I'm going to have spoilers for a few movies, for The Godfather, for Seven Samurai, and for The Empire Strikes Back. K. 
Kenneth Haidt, a game designer, wrote many years ago about the logic of the Western. He said that society needs to be defended from barbarians. To defend from barbarians, one must take up the gun. But if one takes up the gun, one becomes a barbarian. And this is the story in Western After Western, that the gunfighter fights, but then he's not fit to be in society anymore. That's the story in Unforgiven. That's the story in High Noon, in Shane, and in Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai tells the story of a village of peasants who grow their rice crop, and every fall they harvest. But when they harvest, bandits come and steal the rice and leave them with just enough to survive. And so the villagers get together, they scrape together all the little bits of wealth they have, and they hire a few wandering samurai to help them out. And the samurai come, and they prepare the town's defenses, and one of them, a young man, falls in love with a village girl, and she with him. And then the bandits come, and the samurai defeat them, although some of them fall, and are buried on the hillside above the town. And then at the end of it, when the young man turns to the young woman, she won't face him. She goes with her people to the rice paddies to look after the crop. The villagers don't want the samurai anymore. They don't want men of violence in their society. These men who sacrificed so much, who have so little, who lost their friends and are now lonely, are cast out. Because that's the logic of what I would call the outlaw hero. That's the logic that Ken Haidt describes. These men are barbarians. The violence that they do corrupts them in a sense and makes them unfit for civilized company. The Godfather shows what happens when the violent man, the man who takes up the gun, does not leave. Michael, at the beginning, doesn't want anything to do with the mafia. He wants to lead a decent life, a family life, with his fiancée, Kate. But when his father's life is threatened, he goes to protect him, and then to exact revenge against the men who tried to kill him. In order to achieve justice, he takes up the gun. And the result, by the end of the movie, is that he has replaced his father. He has become the new godfather, and a more terrible one than the old. And in the final scene, he is in a room with his top lieutenants, and the door is closed, and Kate is shut out. And we see this from Kate's point of view, that she is excluded from this men's world of violence. But on the other hand, Michael himself has sacrificed everything that he had hoped for at the beginning of the movie, and I don't think that he will ever be happy. The same thing, or something similar, happens in Dune, by the way. When Paul avenges the death of his father and defeats the evil Harkonnens, he becomes a tyrant. There's a fantastic scene, I think, in the second book, when Paul's mother, Jessica, is landing on the surface of the planet, and as she comes out of her ship, everybody bows down and puts their faces to the ground to honor her. And her guards, the heroes we've read about through the books, watch the crowd to see who is slow. And those who are tardy, they mark. And then they go to those people and they arrest them to interrogate them and see whether they are going to challenge the regime. And anyone who runs is shot on the spot. So that's what happens when Paul is the hero who doesn't leave who stays part of the society instead of recognizing that his violence has disfigured him. There is another solution to this dilemma, and that solution is sacrifice. And that's actually, of all places, what happens in The Empire Strikes Back. When Luke is fighting Darth Vader at the end of the film, 
and the emperor is watching on and egging Luke on, telling him to embrace his hate so that he can strike down his father. Luke realizes that if he does that, he will become the thing that he fights. He will become the thing that he hates. And so he lowers his weapon to allow Darth Vader to strike him. And of course, it being Hollywood, Vader doesn't. He kills the emperor and everything is happy, happily ever after. But that is the alternative solution sometimes, is sacrifice. The point being that when violence comes, there is no good solution. All we can decide is not how the world will be, and we can't establish fairness. But we can decide who we will be, and what kind of world we want to make. And to me, that's the most important aspect of justice. This is Alphonse for Radio Free Bichelle. Good night.